Tonight's show does contain foul language and sensitive topics. So, if your baby earth can't handle real American talk, don't listen. This podcast isn't for whiny liberals, including some school teachers, maskers, deucers, crazy Karens, Governor Murphy, his followers, or anyone who can't think for themselves. This is my daddy's show, so shut up and listen. Get some! Fucking moron! Here we go, here we go. How you doing out there, Knucklehead Nation? Another intro to a gubernatorial candidate right now we got for you. A couple special bonus episodes that we put together for you this weekend. And Pretty exciting. Let me tell you something. Um, I have the everlasting... Um, appreciative or appreciativeness, I guess you could say. And appreciation. Appreciation, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Works. Why is it when I start talking with Greg, my brain ceases to function? Like later in the show, my brain completely forgot and just ceased to function for a second. And then it, it is, came back. It is for a second. Then it reboot and, hey. and start going back to work for a THC, time. what are you going to do? What are you going to do is right. You know, um, I think it was, uh, I don't know, it's just a long, that was the end of a long week. Yeah. That was Friday night. And it was hot as. As yeah. fucking here. And the the real issue with that is I was doing like a, basically a puzzle. I was, I was building the outside of a fireplace, right. so I'm putting all these little pieces together, and, and I'm doing all this cultured stone, and my brain is legit fried when we're done with that. That's fair. But the appreciation goes to Greg because Greg was the first governor, governor candidate 100%. that came on the show. Number one. Good guy. Very good dude. Um, if you don't know who Greg is... You probably don't know who the Libertarian Party is. Yeah. And in my opinion, and I was telling my buddy this, all of us, <clears throat> whether we realize it or not, we're Libertarian. There's a lot of Democrats that are Libertarian. There's a lot of Republicans that are Libertarian. They just don't associate or identify themselves with Libertarian because we got locked into this two-party system. And everybody wants to be either left or right. I've been a Libertarian for decades. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like, most... Most of us are libertarians. I have voted libertarian. I've donated money to the to the to their party. Yes, not a so, lot of money. But so some. we need a very good third party. You need a very good third yeah, party. The, the two party system doesn't work. It does not work and at you all. Need, you need a thinker like Greg. You need these type of people because there's a, there's a number of things that he said that I I, I fully one hundred percent absolutely support. absolutely. You know so. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Like, I, I love the fact that he came on and it's, the reality is he's a very good representative of, of what a libertarian should be, if right. you ask me. There was one thing he said that, that just, I wanted to, you know, just jump out of my skin. That was, yes, let's do that. And it came back up with the other interview. With the, well, I brought it up because right. of it. Right. Because it was that good. Right. Yes. So here you go. Without further ado... Once again, I want the spotlight to be on them. Greg, once again, incredibly generous with his time. I got in touch with them. Me and him were actually texting directly back and forth with each other. And he, he set up for 8 o'clock. And we didn't really have a time schedule set up, but he gave us an hour. Yeah. And we got into a lot. A lot. I mean, a lot had to do with schooling, which I was very happy about. You know, but here you go. This is a real discussion on New Jersey and problems and solutions. Greg? Greg Mealy, M-E-L-E, the Libertarian candidate for governor of New Jersey. There you go. You have the floor, sir. Enjoy. 
All right, guys, I have a treat for you. The first governor's candidate. I have two locked up so far. You are number one. I have Greg Mealy, M-E-L-E. And uh, I'm just going to do it all. We got www.mealyforgovernor, M-E-L-E-F-O-R, governor.com. Greg, how are you? Thanks for joining Calderice Unleashed, man. How are you doing? Welcome. I'm doing great, and thanks so much for having me. Do me a favor. Because, you know, you are the libertarian candidate, right? Which means nobody knows anything about you, even though we, you probably represent the best overall party, my opinion. Mine too. So do me a favor. Give me a quick rundown of who you are, why you're libertarian. Before we get into, you know, the problems and things like that in New Jersey, just tell us quickly who you are, why you're running for governor, and why as a libertarian. Are those speakers on? Okay. So, um... Well, I mean, you might see behind me on the wall, I've got a few uh, academic uh, credentials. That's where I was forever. I was always an academic. But um, I uh, actually started a career. You know, my first career was uh, computer science, math, technology, all this kind of stuff. And I was in the financial world for many years, actually, uh, Wall Street firms. And um, when I went to school uh, after a while to go back, uh, initially it was going to be an MBA. Uh, for finance to enhance what I was doing, but uh, I got the suggestion to check out law school at the same time, and not being one to choose one or the other, I went for both. So uh, that's why I got so much paper behind me. But um, so turned out uh, after 9/11, the year after, there was a lot of layoffs in Wall Street, and I was the only one with a license by that point in my back pocket. So I had a uh, fallback and uh, nice. I started my practice. I've been doing it ever since 2002. That's the the history. So, um, you know, just uh, always trying to look at problems from many perspectives and have, you know, I've tried to build up those skills over the years in a variety of places specifically so I could bring a lot, hopefully, to the table and, and help people. And so I, that's what I've been about my whole career, my whole adult life, has been helping people as many as I could reach. And, um, I mean, I... I am, you know, sometimes people call me the people's lawyer because, like, I don't I don't kill anybody with fees. I keep them really low because I tell people I'd rather that not be the obstacle to getting the help you need in a few in a variety of different things. So I uh, I just try to you know, spend my day getting people where they need to go. And uh, so you know, my thing has always been, you know, how can I reach more and more people? Well, you know, then enter politics into the mix. <laughs> so uh you know, I um, I grew up in a, a Republican conservative kind of household, um, and started with with those principles primarily on the fiscal side. I mean, that's where I really try to keep uh, you know costs down and things like that. I try. I mean, I kind of have the approach of you know, if I'm in a pol- political position, I want to run it like a business on the profitability aspect in terms of you know we have to stop killing the citizens with taxes and really be responsible in how we spend money you know it's their money it's not ours you know this is not a for-profit situation so we have in my opinion a higher standard of responsibility we have to live up to for the public that we take the tax money from uh and of course we want to take a lot less of that because we want to spend a lot a lot less be much more responsible than what we've had so far and um otherwise on the uh sort of the social issues i found that i was always not really in line with the Republican side of it, a little too strict for my liking. And um, I felt that there was should be a lot more freedom to do things, especially, you know, adults 
have freedom of choice to live their life the way they want to. Um, and you know, that also fit well with the libertarian methodology of uh, really you know, get, getting government out of people's decision making on a personal level every day. And along the lines of one of the overall mantras of the party, you know, you should be able to do what you want with your life as long as you're not hurting anybody else. So, you know, so simple. I came to hear about the libertarian philosophy that just resonated totally with me. It's uh, the perfect fit. So, uh, you know, soon after I found out about it, I joined the party. I've been very active ever since. And uh, a couple of smaller, you know, lower level office runs before. But now this was the year for me to, to break out and do something bigger. So you would classify the libertarian party as basically the... Let me live however I want to live. You live how you want to live, and government just get out of my life and and do the things that basically you're you you should be doing, which is you know protecting the homeland and things like that, right? Yeah. Classifying you correctly. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, big big government. I mean, one of our taglines for the campaign is you know the leading cause of death over the course of human history is big government. So we want to get small government. We want to you know, stop the government getting into every single little thing that they try to power grab into. And that's really what it is. I mean, you know, there's so many things that they are involved in now that was never authorized really, but they found a way to stretch the arguments and convince the public that they should get away with it. And, you know, some people in the public, I mean, of course, you know, they're, they're either, they don't care that much if they do it or not, or they, you know, they don't, feel the imposition that it really is and they they don't even question even when it isn't legal so you just that's brought always the issue. you brought something up and i'm gonna i guess i'm gonna start you off with like a hard question you know you <laughs> said that you were able to convince the people right my bigger concern i mean yes i'm very concerned that they were able to convince the people and how easily and how willingly you know Amer uh, americans and, and new jerseyans gave up their rights but the courts are what I'm very concerned about. How are they able to convince the courts to uphold some of these, I guess you'd call them crazy mandates that are happening right now? How did that happen? As, as from, a, from a, I guess, a lawyer perspective, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, That's my biggest issue with it because you would think a lot of this stuff goes against the New Jersey Constitution the way I read it, the United States Constitution the way I read it. So I don't understand how all of it's even even able to take place. Can you help shed some light on that? Well, I'll I'll tell you another sort of mantra thing, but it's not necessarily the campaign one of the campaign slogans we have, but um, it's a sort of a rule of the universe that I learned the first week of law school. They told us the law is what's enforced, and basically, I mean, we we don't have as many challenges in the courts as we should to a lot of the activity going on. Um, you know, if you if if the politician tells the law enforcement enforce this. And they go ahead and people say, OK, I'm sorry or whatever, just give in or whatever. And you know, then it's not going to change. That's going to that's going to be what it is, regardless of what it says on the books. Because people so, accepted it. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we need compliance. people to challenge things and stand up to things and be willing to go to court over it. Now, we we have some increase lately of activity with that you know, in the court system, but a lot of it hasn't come to fruition yet as far as the final resolution. But I think that you know, more and more we're going to see people stand up and try to argue that a lot of these steps are really beyond authority. I mean, you know, our our governor now is really uh, getting concerned that I mean, he's the last holdout pretty much as far oh, as man. a lot of the restrictions. And uh, you know, he he just it's funny that um, I'll I'll do a a slight uh, uh, 
you know, a plug for, for one thing I'm doing on the campaign right now is I'm doing a 21 county tour of the state. It's actually the first of three tours, but uh, we have um, in our state, the primaries are early June and that's the deadline time for us for our petitions to get on the November ballot. So as part of the petition drive, I'm doing the first tour statewide and uh, I had set the schedule probably over a month ago now. And uh, last night actually was a stop at the Trenton State House for that, you know, for Camden, for, sorry, for Mercer County. And um, so that was set for a long time. And then it turned out that the, the day before we got word or a couple of days before actually that uh, Murphy was proposing a law that basically said, well, you know, his emergency powers, he's he's ready to rescind them as long as they would codify in the law that he was authorized to do it again in the future at any time he saw fit. Whenever he felt yeah, he like wants total power, basically. Yep. Exactly. He was basically trying to say that, well, you know, he, he doesn't want to he doesn't want to give up the power without securing it for the future again, which would be I mean, if he gets if he ever got reelected in November, it would be the day after a election that he would reinstitute everything that's really what it is it's a power grab mm -hmm. and the problem is you know it was basically an admission of his that yeah you know he he doesn't feel he has the authority to just do it whenever he wants so he's asking for it now as a condition of letting go of the emergency and our legislature has sat back and let him get away with so much everything with, uh, all these doing orders yeah i mean they're it, basically it's not gonna count. have any power Whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, the, it's really been sad how complicit the legislature has been in the Assembly and the State Senate in just letting him go hog wild with whatever he wanted to do. And um, so now he wants to try to figure out a way to get them to approve that. Now, finally, the Republican side of the state legislature has complained about the law, at least the way it was drafted. Finally. Um, the Democrats. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah, and they, they, they are voting against it, at least the way it is at this point. And, even, and a couple of Democrats, too, vote, were against it as well. Right. Yeah. There's been, yeah, there's been some that have complained about it. Not not that many yet. No, no, not a lot. My whole thing about, my whole thing about that was, you know, how does any Democratic legislature member decide to give up their power permanently, basically, to do things the way the checks and balances are designed? And you know, so I, I don't know what really the incentive is for them to stand behind that. Yeah, but but they are and I you, mean, maybe just the fear of Murphy's power in the party. Or whatever, and but. and you're right, right? Because when you when you really take a look at it, why would any any party, regardless of the side, want to sign up on that when they know eventually the power is going to go? I mean, we had Chris Christie as a as a governor, right? Eventually, mm -hmm. hopefully, there's a libertarian governor. Hope you know, hopefully, there's somebody hopefully. else. But when when you look at that, there's going to be. Other the other side's going to have control. So what happens is, let's say they do sign on to that, and now all of a sudden you have a Republican, let's say governor or a Libertarian governor. I'm not saying you would do this, but what's to stop them from just invoking whatever power they feel like feel like grabbing onto? Yeah. The problem yeah. is, to me, Murphy is drunk on power. He's horrifically oh, yeah. drunk on power. He doesn't want to give it up. And like you said, he wants to pass this just so he has the back door where he could he could take the power back whenever he wants to. Why would you give it back once you have yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, it was so clear. And, and what was interesting relative to the tour timing I was talking about is they wound up having the vote scheduled for the state assembly yesterday morning. And so a big protest was organized on the day that I was going to go there 
already like set up for, for a while. So I actually went over in the morning for that. And then uh, I was able to speak at the protest. They uh, gave me a couple of minutes to, to say my part of it on, on how we can't let this happen. And uh, they wound up rescheduling the vote and going back to try to rework the law. So uh, we're not out of the woods, but at least it was a you know, temporary uh, relief to be able to find out what they're going to do next. Temporary but, positive, temporary positive. Yeah. But, Let's small, victory. Yeah, they, small victory. If there's something wrong with it again, we're going to be back again. That's all. Oh, yeah. Well, let me, I want to be respectful of your time and everything, so I want to get to um, the problems and solutions part of this. Because once again, I said this to you real quickly. You know, we've never spoke before. It's the first time we've ever spoke. But one of the mm-hmm. things that bothers me is politicians that want to delay a decision and kick a can down the road and not want to get anything accomplished. Because yeah. if they solve problems, they're basically out of a job. That's the way I see it. So... Day one or day two or day three, what are some of the problems that you see that you identify with immediately? Let's say the top problem that you think is going on in New Jersey that has to be rectified first. What's what are the things that you that you tackle? You know, if you have a top three, or you're going to go, you know, that's basically what I'm throwing throwing at you. What? Let's talk about a problem. Let's identify a problem, and then I want to hear what your idea of of a solution to that problem is. And I have some, but do you have one that jumps out at you? Well, I mean, the number one thing we've had on the list and will still probably be there is this lockdown stuff and all the mandates. So on the one hand, I mean, yeah, you know, things are getting slowly more open or whatever else, but the ability is still in place. I mean, obviously, if if there is anything still related to mandates going on by Election Day or or Inauguration Day, should I get the day one, uh, then... The first thing will be to rescind all of that immediately. The other thing is beyond that is I'm going to be proposing that the uh, the power that Murphy has used that be made illegal going forward, starting with me, if I'm there I to that. do this, uh, to basically say that uh, you know any governor that would take steps like this again and that it be considered illegal and subject to immediately remove immediate removal and, and arrest. Immediate so, removal and arrest. I love and arrest. Did you hear that? And arrest. Yes, that is amazing. That is what it yeah. should be. One hundred. Right. Because this is and, and, this is treason to me. This is so against the Constitution. Yeah, what's happening? It's, it's, it's so, unbelievable. Yeah, it's so clear. Just like even the sanctuary city thing to me is is, is against the law. I mean, you know, I feel differently about that in some respect, but but it's really it's really going against the Constitution of the state and and the federal government. Um, you know, things that are clearly illegal. Nobody's paying a price for here. So, I mean, that's an example. But the main thing is this lockdown thing. I mean, that was just a power grab that that has been allowed to continue. So we have to end that. And, yeah, I've got a lot of uh, good response on the I've got a lot of good response on the idea of it being illegal going forward. And I mean, one person said, like, I can't believe how refreshing it is that somebody's proposing to limit their own power because it would be starting with me if I. I'm in a position to do this. But that's one big thing. Isn't other- it sad? Can I just caveat that really quick? I know I'm going to interrupt you, but yeah. isn't it sad yeah. that you have to propose, that you have to come in and you're running on the idea of limiting your own power when I thought we had a constitution and a state constitution that was already supposed to limit yeah. your power. But you're one yeah. of the only people that are saying, yes, this needs to stop. All of yeah, this power yeah. grab and stuff needs to stop. It's unbelievable. You, you actually have to run on limiting government power when I thought that was supposed to be the idea. Right. Crazy, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. I thought that was supposed well, to be know, the idea, the very foundation yeah, of our government. That's the point. That's the point. That's the whole point. 
Yeah, at least the people who've read the paperwork, they know it resonates <laughs> right with them because they're like, yeah, exactly, right? Isn't that what the thing says? So yeah, it's 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 crazy, but um, yeah, we have to take that stand and we have to make it that prominent because it's really out of control here. And I mean, the other the other thing that's been just uh, as an issue that's been growing and growing every time I turn around is the school choice issue, and that's something that uh, I mean, you know, the Democrats fight tooth and nail, and we've got. Uh, you know, besides Murphy, we've got this heavily democratic legislature as well. So oh, yeah. you know, it's going nowhere at this point, and it's really essential. I mean, we had why would you oppose school worst, choice? You know, th- this is the thing. I mean, it's it's obvious why, really, but you know, oh, yeah. it's uh, it's 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 been highlighted with this lockdown. Actually, one thing that the lockdown really showed when kids had to go. You know, stay home for for school and do the remote learning all the time. And I mean, in in our town in particular, we're in Bridgewater. That's one of the towns that still has total remote learning. Oh my point. lord! Wow. And, Bridgewater, um, you said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I have a I have a stepson who's uh, graduating high school this month, and uh, this past year for him, summer vacation. I mean, it's basically been 15 months almost of summer vacation. It's ridiculous how little they've done. They do two to three hours tops every day, and it's all remote. They did a little of trying to do hybrid in September, and then they they went back by October with the full uh, I got news for you. And, Brick, they're back to school. They're going – my son's done. He's walking in the house by 1130, 12 o'clock every single day, even going to school. It's half days, which honestly, it leads me to one of my next questions, one of the biggest problems that we have, me and Jay personally, Mm -hmm. is the masks in schools. Yeah. Now, love your your thoughts on it, because the thing that drives me crazy is they're talking about the kids going back to schools, but eight Mm -hmm. hours a day in a mask, to me, is is the craziest thing in the world. And my kids, they need to be in school doing work. They they need yeah. to be. Yeah, mine they, too. My kids could could you know they could handle it. They were fine. I didn't have to go crazy. They're older, but they need to be in school doing it. But I refuse to send them to school in a mask for thirty five hours a week. That to me that's no insanity. Way. What's no your way. thoughts on that? That's yeah. Again, a big reason why school choice is becoming so prominent. I mean, I've been to a couple of the protests. I've been uh, when uh, they had uh, Nurse Erin. Yeah. Uh, that was she was fired, and I mean. To the extent that jobs have rules, you know, I, I kind of get that from that perspective. But I also see her as somewhat of a whistleblower to the idea that, I mean, we have we have a crack staff on our team, which includes a uh, career biostatistician who has been pointing out all the reasons why every step that's been taken related to this health crisis has been the wrong step. The wrong and, step. Um, yeah. And that's why our death rate is so much higher than everywhere else. And, uh, highest in the world, um, isn't it? Didn't we yeah, boast the highest yeah, in the world. world for a long time? In the world. Oh, yeah. I mean, if there's anything yeah. Jersey did the yeah. best was kill people due to COVID. Yeah, go us. Go us. Exactly. Great job, yeah, Jersey. Yeah. Great job, Murphy. Yeah. But it, but you yeah, still have right? the people out there saying, oh, I, thank you, Governor, for doing everything you can to lock us down it's and disgusting. take our freedom. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, and, go ahead. And my biostatistician, she's been leading a charge also just on her own as far as getting rid of the masks in school. And uh, so, of course, I, I go to every event I can make and, and speak out against it, too. Your and biostatistician just, is my biostatistician? Is that Nick? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yep. I that's, love our I'll biostatistician. Share. She is uh, phenomenal. Yeah, I'll share, but she's got to be mine some of the time. 
<laughs> no, 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 no. Let me, let's just, let's just, you, she is yours and I'm just borrowing her, you know, for, for yeah, different yeah. times. Like she's, no, she's, she's great. Like she's fantastic. a very impressive woman. I tell you that much. Very impressive. Yep. Yeah, no. And she's right on the money with all the information too. And you know, it's made our arguments so credible and so resonating with so many people that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a matter of standing up and I mean, between me and her, you know, we'll, we'll stand up and yell and scream however much we have to, till enough people get the message at least. And then, you know, shame on them if they don't understand what's really going on. Let me tell you something. We have been sitting here screaming with you for a very long time. Um, we have been, yeah. you know, I, w- I wouldn't say leading the charge, but we have definitely been one of the people in the in the in the background. And and I'm very loud. And Jay's mm-hmm. Jay could Jay could do his, you know, loud. I have my moments. He has his moments. So. The, the yeah. mask in schools, especially masks on kids, there's, I don't think there's anything that drives me more crazy than masks on kids. Um, I couldn't tolerate it for myself. I don't know how the kids tolerated it for as long as they did. And the, the psychological damage that, to me, that we're doing on these kids is, is, um, is basically criminal. And I can't, oh, I can't stand it. So I'm glad to hear that you're not, against, you're not for any of that, any of that lunacy. Yeah, no, I mean, some of the things are outrageous. You know, the, the sports activity with masks is outrageous. The autistic kids who are being held down to put a mask on them is outrageous. It's just unbelievable. And then the trouble is the school board people, the administrative people, they say, oh, well, that's what Murphy said. It's like, well, you have an obligation to challenge something that you know, or I mean, if you're being true to yourself, you know is hurting the kids and is not helping. That's why Nurse and, Aaron and, I mean, did how it. Can, yeah, and and how, did, you know, how do you expect you know elementary school kids in particular like you know, to, to – be you know careful with the masks the way they're supposed to be you know i mean obviously the germs are getting caught in there and they don't know how to you know clean or switch out or whatever else they're just trying to make it healthier for them they're absolutely disgusting they're they're getting all kinds of you know respiratory infection they're getting you know rashes all over the skin on their on their face from you know being under the mask all day it's not reasonable to expect them to handle it in a way that's going to Keep them safer. No, and think, it's just not- think about the hypocrisy that these kids are witnessing on a day-to-day basis, right? They get yelled at to put their masks up. They get use air. There's oxygen being being used as a break or as a as a punishment, punishment or as yeah. a you know a gift. Yeah. Hey, you get you get the gift of oxygen. But these kids are being yelled at by the same teachers that pull their masks down to yell at them. Yeah. So think about yeah, what these kids they're they're witnessing so much antisocial behavior. It's it's the depression and the antisocial like nature of what we're putting these kids through that really bothers me. That's the thing that scares me the most about it. They also yeah. they're being yelled at for drinking out of the water fountain. Uh, yeah. They're being told to wait till you go home to drink water. To go like, it's that's mm-hmm. nuts. Some of this yeah, stuff they, it, why does why do you think Jersey embraces this stuff? Why do we think why do you think we accepted it more than a lot of other more than a lot of other places? It's insane. Yeah. I, th- I think one thing, though, is that a lot of parents didn't know how bad the administration is at treating the kids in general until this whole lockdown happened. That was, like I said, one spotlight yeah. that was shine- shined on things that was helpful to at least know what was really going on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of kids, they're not going to go home and tell their parents that they were mistreated you know, otherwise. So, I mean, unfortunately, you know, some, I mean, people like that will make the kids feel guilty like it's their fault. Right. So then they're not going to want to say anything. And that's what's probably been going on for a long time. But now that we've gotten a real good look at exactly how they're being treated, I mean, I think the school choice is the only solution where the money follows the student to whatever school they're going to. That's the key element that if 
you know, we have right now such a high property tax with a big chunk going to the schools. Well, if yeah, the school keeps like getting the money, that's not going to help. Even, you know, if the, kids have to, if the kids have to otherwise finance their own education situation somewhere else and all the tax money is still going to the same rotting school system, that's no good. We have to have the money go away from those those failing school systems. That was actually gonna, my next but, question for you. Yep. Um, yeah, we have to have competition. I mean, I'm, I'm a very much a free market, you know, competition type of guy in many areas. And that's certainly one of them that, you know, that's the only way to get things better. I mean, I've had a couple of people tell me over time, okay, you know, well, New Jersey has traditionally had, you know, a very high rated school system around the country. And I'm like, well, yeah, it's usually pretty high in the rankings overall between the states. But when you look internationally, I mean, actually, ever since we had the Department of Education, federal and state. I mean, we went from number one in the world to what now? I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we're below number 30 now by now right, in for sure. all the different subjects. I'll tell you one thing I heard maybe about 10 years ago that was a really telling statistic with studies that were done to rank the kids internationally on different subjects. I and mean, we were we were at that point, it was like upper 20s in everything pretty much. But they said there was one thing that American kids were number one at far and away from everybody else. And that was confidence. Now, that tells me, you know, they, if they're 28 or whatever and everything else, but they're number one in confidence, that, doesn't that tell you it's a kind of a false confidence that they're just being told they're so wonderful and, and being you know, elevated falsely where they really don't have the skills? And what happens with that? It's like the spoiled kid who gets everything they want it until is. they're out in the real world. They're setting and they, them up to the fail. reality hits them in the face like a brick. So. Now, if you have something like that, all of a sudden, it's, it's a much harder wake-up call. I mean, that's why some students jump off the college buildings, right? Because suddenly now they're not so perfect like they've been told their entire lives. And they figure out that the reality is they, they're not prepared for things. And some of them just can't handle it. But even the ones who can handle it generally, I mean, they're not happy because they suddenly realize how ill-prepared they are. Oh, yeah. So let's get into that school choice really quick. Yeah. What, would you have a question you want to I ask? I do have a question. Um, would you be opposed to maybe uh, to get the, the the taxes lowered on our property tax for the school funding, possibly like taxing like items on on kids for like school school items and uh, maybe going taking that route as a way of funding instead of property tax? Right. Well, not all of it, because our property taxes is 75 percent goes to, to the schools. And to me, that that's unacceptable. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I caught quite all of that, but the proposal for alternative funding is... Right. Like, like, say, tax, like, school items, like notebooks, diapers, things for kids, and take that money and put that towards funding the school system. Well, I mean, as opposed to the property tax... Component. Right, right. I mean, One word I, guess, I guess... Yeah, I'm not really worried about how it's allocated like that in the sense that I think, like I said, I mean, if you're if you have a big property, I mean, proportionately. Yeah, I mean, I don't have as much issue, even though I want to reduce tax overall as much as possible. I think it would be reduced in proportion that way. And, and that could be fine. But like I said, as long as the money follows the student. Right. Let me ask you a question regards to that. When you yeah. say the money follows the student, right? For example, Brick has I think we spend about fourteen to sixteen thousand dollars per student. Tom's River does about the same. Then when you go to Neptune and, and different lower income areas, you, you were spending 
double, triple the amount, $30,000, dollars $40,000 per student. Now, in that type of, you know, school choice, where do you where do you set it up as far as as far as per student? Is it basically you know per school district, and you get that is what we spend per? Because I know brick, we lost a lot of our school funding. It's our property taxes. We lost a lot of it due to you know Murphy's new formula that he he came in and pulled in. So where do you think that that line is as far as you know where you how do you pull how do you pull per student cost? Well, I mean, part of it is the fact of the destination. Where, where the money goes, which would be the choice of the student and their family or whatever. But as far as the amount of taxes okay, gotcha. in, you know, as, a, as a hard number, what I'm, what I'm suggesting is you know, we can have more choices for families as to where the, the kids go to school, which will make those schools more competitive. They'll try to you know, make the most relative to what their cost basis is for salaries and whatever else for teachers. And I mean, some people are going to say, well, okay, you know, then if, if they do get a higher quality education at a school where the salaries are higher for the teachers, it might be worth that cost. They can make that choice. Um, and depending on the level of how the, how the formula breaks out, how much money is coming from taxation or, or however else to that family, they could figure out what, what the gap is to the next school, like if they want to go to the higher level school or if they will go to a school that matches up with the funding that's available to them. But I feel like if there's if there are, instead of one choice, maybe say four choices of school for a particular student, those schools are going to try to be competitive and do more with less and not have to require so much cost. And it's going to bring down, I mean, you know, much more so, I think, on the administrative side is where these overblown salaries are. I mean, you know, oh, we yeah. always heard when I when I was younger, I mean, we heard about all oh, the teachers are not paid well. And yeah, they weren't. And they had to bring, you know, their, their own supplies for a lot of things, all this kind of stuff. You know, we, we know that history, for those of us who have been around a while, of the teacher treatment. But, um, you know, then we said, OK, well, now everybody was so guilty about, like, never voting against the school tax right every year you know voting for the budget um so every year school budgets were for many years were increased and everybody said of course you know sacred cow you know i don't want to be accused of you know not wanting to help our children learn better so everybody always voted yes to the budgets and the budgets always went way up every year the problem is that was the introduction time of the administrative levels that were so many and so over bloated and with salaries that i can't explain and justify <clears throat> a, a lot of that money in the increases over the years of, of the school tax component and for the budget has gone to administrate administrators instead of teachers and you know what are they doing with with so many levels of administration i mean you know i've heard in our town they've had a concierge in the administrative wing of the school i mean what is that what is that where does that come from you know that that anyone thinks that that's not on the you know, on the edge of criminal too for you know asking this, the town through taxes to pay for something like that, a luxury like that. There's so many it's criminal just, things that are happening in government. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I've I heard mean, I, some I have, some sorry. schools have uh, upwards of ten uh, vice principals. In some schools, ten vice principals. Yeah. Like yeah, and superintendents. And it's ridiculous. It's just horrible. It's it. It's really. I mean, it's it's 
one of the biggest example of in your face, you know, we're going to waste your money that, you know, that I've seen in, in politics and government. They're not even hiding it's, it. It's incredible how, I mean, and it's, and it's been over time. So people didn't notice it quite readily, you know, but over, over some number of years, I mean, we've had such an increase in that. And the, I mean, the return on investment just isn't there you know, not nearly what it was before. And, like I said, I mean, on the international scale, I mean, we're we're falling behind. We have to turn that around. Have to. I mean, you yeah. know, I, I come from the I come from the thought process of we have a lot of kids that are never going to be intellectuals, right? They're never going to be lawyers. Like people like people like me, nothing for nothing. Like I, I have a psychology degree, and I'm literally doing my summer job. Right, so I went to school for psych. I came home. I was a mason. Con- I, I worked as a laborer for a mason. Here I am. You know, I had a kid early, and now I'm uh, I, I'm a business owner, and I'm, you know, basically doing this, and and that's that's where it came from. So you, you know, I think we need to start nurturing a lot of these kids' abilities, and not just you know, teaching them what to think. I think a lot of our problems in schools, especially this is why I'm a favorite in favor of school choice. We we don't teach kids how to think. We teach them what to think. We teach them how to regurgitate information. We don't teach them why they're why that information is actually relevant and how that information from back then is going to affect what today what today's bringing. Right? Because if you think about everything that we're dealing with today, people have dealt with it in the past, sure. right? They have. I mean, everywhere. Not yeah. people yep. in Germany have dealt with it. Every, everybody that Germany took over has dealt with stuff like this. This Not is new. straight out of, you know, the Communist Manifesto that was re- straight out of Rules for Radicals. You see, all of this stuff is 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 coming at us. It's, it's been done before. So we're not teaching kids the right way, to me. And that's one of our biggest problems, especially in New Jersey. You're hearing things like, you know, nothing for, I don't want to get too vulgar with you, but anal sex in schools, critical race theory. You're, you're hearing things like this that are coming at our kids that what does that have to do with you know, raising them to be productive members of society. I don't see any point in it in New Jersey. One more yeah, thing I mean, on that, you know, and then I go one more question for you. Sure. No, and, and, I mean, as far as all that, I mean, it's funny that, um, you know, yeah, they're teaching conclusions. They're teaching opinions as if they're facts. And that's the problem. Yes. That's the indoctrination issue. So, yeah, I mean, it, and it's like the news, too. I mean, I, I hear people on the newscasts in the MSM they're saying things like the false allegation or the the proven such and such. And I'm like, you know, that's not your job. Like the news shows were never supposed to say those kinds of words. They were always supposed to say, this is what happened and never suggest to the audience, like, you know, what's the answer, true or false or, or yeah, how does that leading them that way, leading it in any way or having an opinion. It's leading it right into an, an opinion as a basis. Uh, you know, they're suggesting that these opinions have been proven and are therefore facts. And, you know, and it ha- happens in the school all the time, too. It's the same idea, unfortunately. And that's why, like, you know, I'll go back to my stepson again. I mean, you know, his classmates, whenever I hear them talking about anything, you know, it's 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 this. OK, tell me tell me exactly how to do something, you know, A, B, C, D steps, whatever. And uh, it's that they, they don't even want to know why they have to do A, B, C and D or or how come somebody figured out that it's A, B, C, and D steps to do something? They just want to be told, what are the steps? A, B, C, and D. Okay. They want something rote. And they just want to, like, okay, tell me exactly what to do, and I'll do it. And anytime we, you know, any of the kids are asked, like, okay, what do you think, you know, how do you think you should 
it approached the situation. It's like a deer in headlights, you know, and now like projects around the house, just like, okay, you know, we have to take care of this. Um, okay. And they have no idea how to even start the approach. Like we used to at least a lot better when we were younger. So, you know, they're not being taught to think critically. I mean, my stepson, eventually he wants to be a, a PhD. I said, well, you know, you have to do at some point some original research on at least some area and present it for approval before you can get that kind of a degree, right? And he said, what are you talking about? That's not like, he said, you know, there's nothing new to learn. All the knowledge is already out here. All I have to do is look at a web page and I'll know everything I need to know about any subject. And that's all there is to know. And I'm like, there's something very wrong there, very, something missing that's really dangerous to the idea of, you know, I mean, this is a constantly changing world with different things going on all the time. And there's, there's, it's scary to, to think that these kids, I mean, at that age, think like they've learned it all already. And I mean, no, yeah, we all thought kind of like that, but, but really we knew better. We knew before that, yeah, there was still things we didn't know. And I think one of the major problems, and I, and this would be, you know, another big issue and one of the, one of my, one of my final questions for you, because um, I, I, I appreciate you. We are already at 40 minutes. I'm, you're very generous with your time, but um, in schools, I actually just completely forgot my question. Oh, <laughs> it literally just left me. 100% just left me. Um, yeah, damn. What were we just talking about, my man? Sorry, Greg. No, I mean, uh, I was talking about the stepson and his uh, his his classmate. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. sorry. To know what... Just came back. Just came back. The yeah. thing, my problem is, especially with kids, is you have the fact checkers. You have Facebook. You have these major media corporations and the fact checks have got kids lulled into a, in a into a false sense of this is right, this is wrong. So yeah. if you are you you see a lot of governors of different states starting to step up and fight back against these major media corporations. To me, yeah. the media, you could take all the problems that we have facing facing New Jersey, and I wrote down a lot of them. The media is one of the most major problems that we are facing. Period. Is there anything as a governor level? Have you thought about anything that you could do if you, you know, if you are if you are the governor, to where you could try to fight back against these against these major media corporate media conglomerates that are controlling the they're controlling the narrative, they're controlling the minds of individuals, and it's probably the scariest thing that you could see right now. Well, right, exactly. I mean, you know, these are. I mean, for example, the the the, the Facebook, the social media sites. I mean, they're supposed to be a platform. They're not a publisher. And so you know, they they shouldn't even be fact-checking, quite frankly. I mean, it's basically a way of saying, I'm afraid of somebody's opinion, so I'm just going to label them as false. And I mean, I, I I see so many things all the time. And I'm like, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that person saying what they just said. And they're, they're making them out to be a liar, not just like we don't want to hear it, but like we're saying to everyone else, you're wrong. And again, it's pure opinion. And I mean, then this is this is direct First Amendment issue. I mean, we have to be able to speak our minds. You know, we have to be able to speak our minds freely and not be intimidated by people. And and this is what the tactic has been. It's been an intimidation of, you know, not not just, you know, like rioting or whatever else that's occurred over the past year change. But but it's also just the shaming, you know, in social circles. Yeah, and again, back to this false confidence kind of issue. So many, so many people are so convinced that they're so right 
that they will just absolutely blast people who disagree with them. Even even 99% agreement is not enough for some of these people. And you know, they, they just treat the other people like they're so evil to even think differently. They, they try to attack them. And it's funny that they try to say they're the inclusive people, right? But on the other hand, they're, they're the most non-inclusive exclusive people. Yeah. Out there. But yeah. You have a exactly. lot of, you have a lot of people that do that. And it, once again, I think it's from the media narrative. The media is very easily very very good at shaping initial thoughts, right? So you take every police shooting, you take all of these things. All you see is this little tiny clip that formulates everybody's yeah. opinion. Then anything that goes against that, they fact check and they and they shift the whole narrative. So everybody already formulates their opinion. And then once all of the facts come out, doesn't matter. Everybody has already 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 formulated their opinion. That's all. That's all that matters. No matter any yeah. fact that comes out after it, no matter what you say, no matter what grand jury does, it's all the first initial impression. They're very good at getting to people's minds. Even the politicians. Yeah. The, the politicians do the same exact yeah. thing. They they field test. They 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 study different words, words that work, words that don't work, phrases that don't work, and they're very good at manipulating the minds of people. When's the last time you heard the word insurrection? You never heard it until the media put it in everybody's head. Nobody even knew what insurrection was nope. until the media stuck it in people's yeah. heads. So they, the media, to me, is one of the things that I think, on a local level, we need to get involved in. People like yourself, people like myself. If you get into you know being the governor, which everything that you said, I really enjoy, um, you know what you're saying. But th- we need to if we could stop letting them manipulate the minds of everybody through school and through the media. We're gonna have, we're gonna have a lot better planet, but that that that's what's going on right now. We have people that are getting way way too manipulated through the media and through politicians and through the and through social media that it's insane. You can't even get your message across. Yeah, that that's the only way that that whole philosophy grew at all. I mean, you had the people you know behind the curtain pulling the strings that wanted this to happen, and they set up the machinery in motion to do the emotional and and mental manipulation, and. Now they've got a following of people who really, I mean, and some, you know, you know, we talk about highly educated. I mean, there are some highly educated people, though, who fell for the suckering of the emotional thug. And now they stand up and they're just like, you know, again, you know, confidently yelling out to, in the streets if they can. You know, OK, this is definitely the way it is. And anyone else you know, should be you know, removed from society or whatever it is they have in their mind. Now, that they're just pure evil and they shouldn't be allowed to exist and the opinions shouldn't be allowed to exist. And, um, and when you have that thing sort of fostered, the problem is you know, once once someone's been manipulated like that and really you know, hook, line and sinker into a philosophy. It's impossible. Getting them getting them back is really a struggle because, you know, besides it's it's maybe it might be an impossible journey. invested so much of. Yeah, I mean, they've invested so much of themselves. It's not only a matter of like getting them to see the reality of the data in front of them, but it's also just an emotional sort of reaction of, I don't want to admit that I'm such a sucker. So they, you know, on an emotional level, they can't handle that kind of admission to themselves that, you know, it, it would destroy them to say, like, oh, yeah, you know, I fell for it, you know. Damn, so really nobody wants to do idiot. that. And <laughs> they, they really, they really, point. yeah, they dig in their heels instead, you know. And and it, it's really sad, but um, that's why I mean, you know, shows like yours. I mean, we just got to keep pumping out the truth 
and, and make sure that the facts are out there until it's just inarguable. I mean, that's the only way to win over people, you know, whether it wins some of them back maybe, but also win the win the hearts and minds of the people who want the truth and can see the the truth in the data. Yeah, it's, I mean, we have to just keep throwing the truth at them until they understand it. Until they understand it. And a lot of people ask me, like, why why I do it? Why do I get on and argue with people? Why do I go to places and argue with, with you know, the, the, the craziest of the crazy and the leftist of the leftist? And, I, and I, my thing is, eventually, you know, maybe something I say is, is going to go after it, but it's going gonna, gonna to resonate. But you never know. If, if, if I don't engage and discuss with people, you never know what's going to happen. And if we all just shut up yeah. and we go into our own echo corners... Nothing's going to Nothing change. Nothing's going to happen. And to tell you the truth, the last thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you is, you know, why people should vote for you. But I, what I really think is sorely, sorely needed is a very, very, very strong libertarian party. And I'm not necessarily saying that because I'm a libertarian. I, I do classify myself as a fiscal conservative libertarian. I'm not affiliated with with the libertarian party, but. If we had a strong third party, a libertarian party, because I think the libertarian party really does cross both of the boundaries, right? You have you have some of the some of the real liberals that want the legalization of marijuana and some of the, the liberties that come with you know the the classical liberal, so to speak, and then you have a lot of the conservatives' principles. I really think are rooted in libertarian principles as well. So I think we need a, th- a good strong third party. I'm glad you're representing us. Do me a favor. Let everybody know. You know, tell us why to vote for you. Let's just put it that way. I know it's a loaded question. You probably answered it forty-seven times today, but just give us an idea. What? Why should everybody go to Libertarian Party and vote for you? Yeah. Well, to to piggyback a little off the previous conversation, you know, people that you know polarize and go to their neutral corners and you know, just refuse to cooperate and work together. I mean, that's. That's what the people who are controlling in the establishment want, because then they have free reign. They can do whatever they want, and and the two parties really become the same thing. They're just they controlling are. everybody, whatever it is. So, part of the best part of, you know, of the best thing of libertarianism is the promotion of the free thinking and being able to look out for what's really best for ourselves and collectively as a society. What are the best rules or lack of rules? to really make things better for everybody. Uh, you know, we, we don't play favorites. We, uh, we want everybody to be happy and free and, and having all the liberties and independence that they deserve, that, that God gives them. And, uh, and we're not looking to control. I mean, go back to my original statement, right? I want to make it illegal to control people like this again. You know, who would say that but a libertarian, right? And, who would say and that? But, yep. That's one of the that's one of the kinds of things that drew me into the party so much is, yeah, you know, we should be thinking of others before ourselves. The duopoly only think of themselves. They never do things really to help the public, even though they try to put a mask on certain things, no pun intended, <laughs> to really try to suggest that they are doing things for the greater good. We all know, any one of us who is a free thinker knows that they're not doing anything for the public good. They're just trying to line their pockets more or whatever it takes, you know, grab power, grab money where it's, where it's available, whatever they can to just take advantage of the power that they're in for us. I mean, uh, everybody that I know in the party is the same way, like what I just talked about, you know, we would get in and do the right thing. We have a, we have a, a moral compass. We have a conscience and 
unlike anything I ever saw before in the duopoly, before I, before I ever knew about libertarianism. I mean, I was very turned off by politics after a short while. And, um, you know, when I decided to you know, take the leap of, you know, finding out more and joining with the party, you know, it was like night and day, you know, kinds of people, you know, relative to what I knew before. I, I just wish that there were more people who would just stop and think of, you know, yeah, we really do want to do what's right. We don't just want to do what we want to dictate. And that's what it's become. I mean, you know, yes. you hear about the Karens of the world, right? The, the, the so-and-so, you know, the quote-unquote Karens. Um, you know, they're out there saying, I'm right. And so you have to do what I say, basically. And, and, and I don't understand how anyone feels that way about, like, you know, that they have a justification to control people like that. I just don't – it's not – in my DNA at all. And I mean, I, I see leadership as someone who will listen to everybody, get a variety of perspectives and then make the tough call. I mean, you're not going to always satisfy everybody with every decision you make, but if you consider everybody and look at what's the greater good, how do you, how do you best achieve the greater good? You're going to make the right call. And people are going to recognize that even if on a particular issue, they might not have agreed with it. They're going to see what that you're doing it the way it should be done. And that that's where, you know, I mean, there's no open dialogue sort of, you know, listening going on by the duopoly. And, you know, for us, I mean, we're all about that. I mean, I, I have a team for my campaign staff that's about 30 strong. And um, I chose the people that I approached to be part of it based on wanting to get a variety of perspectives even within the libertarian circle on certain issues. I intentionally got people who would argue with each other sometimes because I really wanted to see the full range of perspective that I needed to really address effectively. And I think I've become a better candidate because of the people I have around me and like I would expect. You know, I mean, I, I certainly have grown very much in the time we've been doing this campaign and, and can really see how I need to bridge a lot of gaps. I need to bring people together. I need to show the value of certain positions or, or others and how a compromising approach all around is going to really lead to the best greater good. So, you know, why should people vote for me? I mean, I think that's all of it in a nutshell. I honestly think you're a very good representative of uh, what you think of a libertarian needs to be. I mean, honestly, and once again, I, I am a, I really do believe the majority of, especially New Jersey, would identify more as a libertarian if we got if we could sometime somehow figure out how to break the label of how they identify as Democrat or Republican. That label has got to get broken, and I think a lot of people they do self-identify as libertarian. They just don't want to vote that way, and I don't know why. They don't know about them. They don't know about them. We have to get we have to get it out. Yeah. And once again, I, I do like what yeah. you're saying. Um, Really quick, the petition that I see, the www at mealyforgovernor.com. Are we signing a petition to get you get you on to the, the, like a debate or what, what what's what's going on with that? Really quick, the petition the petition is to be on the November ballot because we're a third party. We don't have primaries. Basically, the nomination was at the convention, which for us was in March. So that's where I got formally nominated, and af- after that, I'm doing petitions. To get onto the November general election ballot, gotcha. the the R's and D's did their petitions on a much smaller scale within their party members to get into the primary that's coming in June. So that that petition drive for them is already over, and it's actually much smaller uh, requirement than us. Plus, 
they have their party members that they can basically tell them sign Just my focus, petition. Yeah. Else, kind of. so, <laughs> so it's a lot easier for them. But yeah, we have until the primary actually to get our stuff in in order to be on the November ballot directly. And that's what we're looking to do. So everybody, once again, man, you have a you have a guy right here that doesn't seem like you were very partisan at all. I'm going to be honest with you. You um, seemed like a very good dude. He uh, he was very kind enough to give us at least 56 minutes, so you could be kind enough to do him. I mean, listen, here's the reality. Whether you, whether you vote for him or not, that's not what I'm asking you guys to do. What I'm asking you to do is sign his petition right now for www.mealyforgovernor.com. That's M-E-L-E-F-O-R governor.com. Whether you vote for him or not right now, but let's at least get him on the ballot. Because one of the things that is not going to hurt anybody is a hell of a lot more options. Me personally, Greg, I'm tired of, I'm tired of having two crap options. And that's all you got. That is all mm-hmm. you have. You have you have a crap sandwich versus a crap hot dog, and that's all you have. And there's no decent there's no decent candidates. There's no yeah. decent choice that's out there. So at the, la- the least, let's get you at least on the ballot. That way, we have a very it, it seems like a logical, right American option that's on the ballot sure. right there. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, once again, man, I, I am very. Uh, you were the you were the first governor. Um, uh, prospect that is coming on the show. We have Phil Rizzo coming on tomorrow night. Um, nobody else has gotten back to us as of yet, but um, I really do appreciate you being on there. I, I wish you guys all the luck, and, and I'm being very serious with you. Anything that I could do to help, um, I I really do feel very strongly for a libertarian party. Once again, I, I'm not a libertarian. I guess, you know, I don't identify as anything, but I do think we need a very good third party, especially a Libertarian Party, something that could bridge the gap for uh, some type of sanity between the insanity of the, the, the two-party madness. You know what I'm saying? So I do. I, I wish yeah. you a, a lot of luck, man. Anything I could do to help you, I would I would love to help you. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Jay, is there anything you want to close out with? No, he covered everything. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for being very good with your time, man. You gave us an hour. I I can't even tell you how much. Um, Let me ask you a question. Where can I – is there anywhere I could plug this on on your sites as well? Can I I link you to everything? And I want to push as much as I can. Yeah, we we have a communications director and and a social media staff. Um, So, I mean – I'll get in touch. Yeah, as far as like a link. A link to the video, yeah. I mean, it's uh, on the website. They have the address there is comdirector newly for governor uh that's where you can reach out and send a link to or something like that or at least you know inquire initially you know like how they would want to receive it or whatever and you have all the social media you have everything right i could tag in social media awesome awesome thank you very much greg just stay right there really quick on to our next awesome sponsor